Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Swiss Movement. Quality watches at affordable prices. Check out their website at www.swissmovement.co and get 10% off all watches with the code GigPod88. Hello and thanks for downloading episode 65 of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka GigPod. Um, and we'll be reviewing today's game against Rangers at Ibrox, in which we lost 1-0 thanks to a fellow Highlander header. I'm Stevie, and with me to talk about the game this afternoon is Rizzo. Hello there, John. Hi, Stevie. Yeah, hi. It's not really a, it's no, a, a witty introduction or very nice booming patter here, is it, John? No, unfortunately we lost to Rangers yet again, so it wasn't great. I'm lost for words already. <laughs> well, okay, I'll try and guide us through this one so you're not uh, a mute for the entire podcast, John. But first off, we have to talk about getting into the game. I did the preview with Spunkphone and I was very excited about it. I got up early. The battle fever wasn't truly on, John, because I had that vaccine fever going through my system. But I was up for the game today. I was just choking for it. I watched it on the build-up. Um, which I didn't do in the previous games under certain other managers all last season. I actually watched the entire you know hour build up to it, and I was buzzing. You had Andrew's interview in Sky, um, and a lot of Celtic fans were just in the right frame of mind for it, weren't they? Were you the same? I thought we were going to win. I mean, okay, maybe we've not played the greatest teams, but we did still manage to knock easy at Altmar. We were Europe, okay, we rode our luck a bit the all night, as I talked about on the solo pod, but I was confident. I know you were as well, that we were going to win, but then you sort of changed that. Uh, you wrote on Twitter that you thought the game would come down to what happened after 60 minutes, and unfortunately you were right. So what made you change to somebody that thought we were going to win to no having a huge amount of confidence in the team? Let me answer that when we talk about that a wee bit later for after half time. But um, yes, thank you for the mitten, John. I am the oracle that's right all the time, <laughs> apparently. So we talk about the lineup here, John, and we went 4 3 3 against Rangers, who we predicted would go 4 3 3 as well. So we lined up with Joe Hart. Uh, Joseph Juranovic made his debut at left back. We had Starfelt, Welsh, and Ralston at the back. Christy, McGregor, and Turnbull 
in midfield and Abada, Edward and Kyogo were up front. So, did you think that was the right lineup? Eh, uh, no, I wouldn't have started Eddie uh, because, well, in fact, I don't know if I would have started Christie to tell you the truth because there's so much speculation about them. I don't ever think it's a good idea to start players when they might be on the village of leaving. That's backfired before. I mind we started uh, Fortuny. This is going back years. In a European game, in a setting leg, and he was rubbish and ball absolutely terrible, and I think he left the next day. So, I don't know, I think that's always a, a bit of a, a weird move, that. And, okay, I can understand him playing Eddie because he's been good against Rangers loads of times, and he has played no bad this season. But, I mean, Christie, he hasn't, I don't think, ever stood out against Rangers that I can think of. So, no, I thought that was a bit concerning. I mean, Forrest wasn't even available. And, I mean, Forrest had never really played that well against Rangers either, I think maybe once. But, so he wasn't an option. But, no, I, I think it would have been a gamble. But I'd have rather that he played Rogic and someone else apart from Eddie. Who would you have played? Well, see, I was hoping that James Forrest was going to be fit. I read in 6-7 Hail Hail and in the media that Forrest was not 100%. But, I also saw that Ange said he was more than likely going to be available, or potentially said he was going to be available. So I just thought, classic manager win games, and he was going to be available last minute. I would have loved to have seen that front three. I know that James Forrest takes pelters from the support, and I'm biased because I really like James Forrest, simply because he has an knack of being in the right place at the right time and getting us goals. And Certainly, James Forrest has done a lot for us in big games in the past, John, so that's why I'm biased with him, and he has a knack of being in the right place and, you know, popping up with a goal, and he's done it a couple of times against Rangers as well, but... Can I just say, by the way, about Forrest and say after the game that he's going to miss the Scotland games this week, probably, so I think the injury must be a bit more serious than anybody's let on. If you had James Forrest, you had Kyogo, and you had Abada there, that's a far more mobile front three, you know, than having Edward there, um, Kyogo out wide, and you've got Abada out on the right as well, and if you had James Forrest in there... It's just it adds a bit more width and it would, in my opinion, having him and having Abada uh, stretching him out wide and Kyogo through the middle. I mean, we saw, I'll get on to it soon, in the last 10 minutes, we saw what Kyogo could do through the middle. But can you imagine, John, he started through the middle and we set the tone with him um, getting in behind the defenders in the opening maybe 5-10 minutes. They would have been on edge for the entire game and that just found that an, a wasted opportunity today. We talked about that uh like off pod the other day that he's much much better uh, in the middle Kyogo I really I'm not sure why Ange decided to go with it I mean in the games that I, we've both been to CCL this season and the games where we've played best has been when Kyogo's been through the middle even that game against St Mirren last week we might have won 6 nothing, but Kyogo didn't really have his best game and that's because he was on the wing and not through the middle and I think Today, with Rangers' defensive issues, I think it would have caused them loads of problems if we'd played Kyogo where he should have been played. And as you say, we'll talk about it later on, as soon as he went through the middle, we're, had, we created chances, which we hadn't done practically the whole game. So, no, I think it was a mistake. And Ange had admitted after it that he should have played Kyogo uh, through the middle. So, I mean, we don't know if Edward's still going to be here. After for our next league game, but I think definitely when we play it's Ross County, I think in the next league game, Kyogo will be back in the middle where he belongs. I just do want to say one of the things that I did feel concerned about was when I looked at the benches of both teams. Now, this is a Rangers side who were 
I'm not going to use the word decimated because it's been wildly exaggerated, but let's just say they had a, a mini COVID crisis of their own. But yet, you know, if the guys like Hadji, Eaton, Arfield and right on the bench, I don't think they're world beaters. But when you look at our bench and you saw that we had, you know, a Yeti, we had Sorrow, we had Montgomery. And it's, you look at the depth they've got, they've got guys in there that are still winners, regardless of how we feel about them. They're still winners and they're still champions in that respect. Whereas we've got a lot of unproven players on that bench. And Rogic, I know that you're saying you would have started him and we had him to fall back on, but this is a guy, John, who's still been you know out of form for the last three years and has only really started upping it in the last few weeks. So that was a bit that concerned me. You know, if someone like McGregor um, or Tumble, well, I have a stinker today, and Tumble actually did, but if one of our star players today and we had to rely on Sunday coming off the bench. There wasn't really a lot there in inspiration, wasn't there? Not? No, you say that, but but if we had been sensible today and not made wrong decisions, we could have won that game. Or got a, well, we could really could have got a draw out of it. So I mean, you say that though, that is something that has to be addressed in the transfer window. I mean, I'm really not sure what's going to happen in the transfer window. We might be signing the the unnamed Greek fella that I won't attempt to pronounce, but I don't think he's an Edward replacement. They're different type of players. So I think if Edward does leave, would need to sign an so an Edward type replacement. But no, you're right. the 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 squad does need strengthened, but I just can't see he's going out and signing like five or six players in the next uh, forty hours. That just doesn't seem realistic to me. No, same. I, I can't see that either. And if you look already this season, it's not as if we've been. I don't want to say we've been dally dallying in the transfer market this season because we have actually. I'd say we strengthened to an extent, but I think the rebuild was that excessive at Celtic. We still need more players in, so you're right. It's No, we did dilly-dally. We did, because we didn't have... For the Midstone game, I'll agree with you, yes. And for Hearts as well. Like We didn't have Kyogo available. Uh, if we had like, if we had like, him available, I think we'd have won that game. I mean, because we have lost two or four league games this season, which is, okay, you can lose to Rangers sometimes, that's ha- that happens. But I mean, we shouldn't be losing to Hearts. We've went over that game before, but no, we did dilly dally this summer. We did it. We're getting the manager as well, of course. I mean, for weeks and weeks, we were thinking, "Oh, that's Eddie Howe." So we were reactive more than yes, anything. That's a good. That's that's a good word, Stephen. Yes, thank you. We were more reactive, and we eventually did strengthen, but the damage was done. So anyway, talking of the damage being done, what the fuck was Edward thinking about in the first half <laughs> with that miss? John, do you want to talk us through that one? Well, it was a brilliant pass by Abada to set up Kyogo, who actually. This was the best thing he'd done when he was out in the wing. A brilliant pass by Abada, which really was his only contribution to the game. He had a quiet game. That's fair enough. I suppose he's only 19. He's a good player for us. He'll get better. I'm not going to be too critical of that. It was a brilliant pass to set up Kyogo, who played in Edward. All he had to do was side for it in with a scored. But he did some sort of bizarre, inexplicable faint touch type thing where he didn't hit the ball with his side of his foot he sort of hit it with the top of his foot and it sort of dribbled out for a goal kick nowhere near in target it was probably even worse in a way than that one he missed last season again against him remember when Moy had that shot and it was saved and he sort of done a a half volley type thing over the bar I think this one was even this one was even worse because I mean that game in, in the face it didn't really matter like we'd lost the league it was who cares this one did and if we'd scored, it was perfect time to score. I mean, for all the talk of the attacks of both teams, there had been very few chances created. In fact, that was the first real chance of the game. And all I had to do was save for it in the net. But 
No, he tried to sort of hit it below the top of his foot. I'm, I'm not, really not sure what he was doing, but it was a really bad miss. And I think Eddie's been a great player for us. And if that's his final game in a Celtic shirt, it's a bit of a sad way to go because he really should have burst an net with that one. I've really no idea what he was doing. Do you think people's attitudes and perceptions of Edward will change simply because of that game and that miss? Or do you think long term people will still remember he was a cracking player for his own his day that contributed a lot? I think it'll be a bit of both because the first two thirds of his Celtic career I think was brilliant. But the last year, and even though he scored 22 goals last season or 22 or 23 goals, he didn't play well. Nobody did, but I think a lot of people sort of will be coloured by well, maybe not uh, by what they saw in the last year and a half, their views will be called. Like, they'll think, oh, he wasn't really that good because he hadn't played that well for the last year and a bit. And I think that might make a lot of people forget about what he achieved in his first few seasons. They say, like, oh, God, he was brilliant. I mean, you can't forget that winning goal at Ibrox when we had 10 men. The winning goal in the cup final, they win the third treble, that penalty that made Craig Gordon angry, which is always a good laugh. No. Eddie is a fantastic player, and I think we'll get good money for him, but I think a lot of people remember what happened more over the last year and a half because it's been so poor for Celtic. They'll think, oh, Eddie wasn't that great, really, when Eddie was a great player for us. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, isn't it? Because had that went in, I wouldn't even have seen, like, I wouldn't have seen Rangers come back from it either. At the time, Rangers were, I mean, I don't think they were largely troubling us. Okay, right, I think the front three, of Kent, Morelos and Roof, whenever they did get a ball in the last third, they looked fairly dangerous, but it's not as if they were putting us under heavy pressure. It was like end to end stuff. That goal goes in though, you know, and it settles it down and then from there Rangers are chasing us and we'd able to pick them off a wee bit more if that goes in and it's just a as I say, a missed opportunity and you don't need to go through Edward because he'll be obviously replaying that over and over in his head as well. You know, he'll know that he's fucked it and regardless of when he missed his chance Rangers, after that, don't think it really gave them a lift because the game still sort of petered out, didn't it, in the first half? It was still end-to-end. They, they shot it off the post with Ryan Kent, but I think Hart had that covered. But generally, you went into the game at half-time thinking it's probably fairish on the balance of play. But when it goes to half-time, John, and it's now now, what are you thinking after it? Just more of the same, or would you have made changes? I would have made changes, but I didn't think that Ange would. I thought he'd keep it the way it was because, as you say, we hadn't really been troubled. I mean, the only shots in the first half were, I think, that Eddie chance and Kent shot off the post, which, as you said, Joe Hart had covered. So, no, I didn't really expect any changes, but the second half, eh, which we're going to talk about now, we just didn't really turn up. I mean, we let Rangers dominate the open stages. They weren't really creating many chances, but they had loads of the ball. Our midfield fell out of it completely. And... I have to say, I wasn't really surprised when they eventually scored, which which is... No, you just go ahead because I'll talk more about it later when I talk about my thoughts on the game overall, but I wasn't surprised when Rangers did score. I felt a lot of people were up in arms. Now, I tweeted at halftime on my own account that I felt a lot of people were being very over the top because it wasn't as if you know Rangers were swarming us. I felt we were very much still in the game. I just said, you know, it wasn't like we were taking a doing all over the pitch we were untroubled and we actually had the best chance of the game. But what I did feel was that in the last sort of five, ten minutes of the first half, Rangers were getting more of the ball. 
Um, I wouldn't say they had all the momentum, but they were certainly when they had the ball, they looked to have more of a purpose and intent than we did. Um, and they were holding on to it far better than what they did in the previous half hour in that first half. So I felt Rangers are going to try and obviously up the tempo and they're going to hold on to the ball a lot more in the second half. I could tell, I mean, I, as I say, I put that tweet out at half time. You could tell what they were going to be doing. And that is what happened, John, because I felt at 60 minutes onwards, that was when it was going to be so, so crucial to see what way the match would go. I was hoping that we would make subs before that 60 minute mark. Um, because you could tell that the more made Ryan Christ in the picture was ineffective. David Turnbull contributed next to nothing either. And it's not a dig at Turnbull saying he's going back the way he just happened to have a bad game after playing well recently. But I just felt, you know, one of the two could have been hooked. We could have been a wee bit smarter with our substitutions and maybe taking the sting out of the game. Because Rangers, as we were talking about, John, in the text messages, were starting to really swarm us at that point. And then what happens in 66 minutes? We haven't made a sub. We haven't made any changes. Rangers are starting to threaten. They get a set piece. And this is where you texted me, pretty much saying groan right away. So <laughs> why don't you take over and let the audience know just how delighted you were. Yet again, Celtic were undone by a set piece. Yeah, it was a corner and Starfield uh, was beaten in the air by his teammate, international teammate, Hellander, who uh, he did it in the back of the net. And that put Rangers one up. And as soon as it happened, Ange made the changes that we've been calling for. He brought on Rogic. He brought on Soro. Uh, who did he take off again? He took off Tumble and Eddie. But that should have been done at least 10 minutes earlier. That much as was support, Ange. And this is this is like he's just started. That, is, that first 25 minutes in the second half was sort of 20, 25 minutes was sort of the Neil Lennon playbook. Like, don't make any changes. That's what happened last season. Countless times we didn't make any changes until it was too late. And as soon as he made the changes, Celtic were far better, far more effective going forward. And I just wish he'd done that. But ten minutes earlier, that would it have stopped Rangers scoring? Maybe, maybe no. But would have gained a foothold in the game and looked a lot more dangerous. We things like that, John, because the more Rangers were in the game, fifteen minutes, like forty-five minutes to sixty minutes. That fifteen minutes is so, so, so crucial. But it's also a long time in football and if you're a player on the pitch and the ball has been played pretty much predominantly and you're half. Now if you're say anybody in the Celtic team at that point, the game's going in far, far slower for you. For Rangers it's going in far quicker because they're on the ascendancy and all we're doing is defending. And I'm noticing in, in the first 15 minutes of the second half, John, every interception that Welsh and Starfield made, Immediately, we just kept giving the ball back to them. And we things like that, when Rangers are always going to be getting a boost from things like that, and the concentrations levels start to wane when you're constantly defending and you're chasing the game, and that's what we did. And Rangers, when it came to their set-piece, they were so switched on and we weren't. But I don't know if you've seen, John, the set-piece itself, like, the marking for it, it's... I don't want to go back and say stuff about last season. This is a different team, and I don't want to keep harping on about the same mistakes we made. But it is unavoidable, yet again, because we do have to talk about the fact that we did concede from a corner once more against Rangers. And if you look at it, John, Bernard Barisic, before he puts the ball in, you've got Philip Hollander, who's like, you know, shot a six at five, and he's unmarked all the way from when Bernard Barisic is about to hit the corner. He's unmarked, and then he makes a late run. No one's picking him up, and he gets up above Starfelt. Joe Hart's got no chance with it. And it's just wee things like that where you're like, I mean, surely to God, that we've done a homework, you'd like to think that Ange and the team are competent. So why the fuck are we letting guys like Hollander just roam about in the area? 
Scott Free, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, well, notoriously bad at set pieces against Rangers. I mean, I, I think when we get when they've got set pieces against us for now, and I might just put my hands over my my eyes, so I don't see what happens before I hear the ball hitting the net. But no, I mean, it was poor. I mean, I actually thought the defence wasn't that bad today, but I think Starfield could have done a bit better for the goal. I think it was probably his best game for us. They'd done most of the basics well, but he still could have done a bit better. I think Welsh was decent enough. I thought Anthony Ralston was brilliant. Celtic's best player on the day, and he deserves a long-term contract. I thought Juranovic done well enough out of position, but... No, I mean, you talked about earlier, about how the ball, we kept losing the ball. I think the midfield really was disappointing today. None of them stood up to be counted. I mean, even McGregor, the captain, was losing the ball plenty of times in the second half. Tumble, as you said, had a poor game, and Ryan Christie, I know. He probably should have been set up by Kyogo for a goal, but I thought Ryan Christie was very, very poor today. But no, I mean, that that the midfield, if we'd won the midfield battle, that... I don't think what happened in the second half would have happened. Uh, with Rangers dominating possession, but I know the defence will get the brunt here, but the midfield shouldn't be forgot because they were a big let down the day. We couldn't get near Glenn Kamara. I mean, I said in the preview, you stop Glenn Kamara getting a foothold in the game, you stop Rangers, but we didn't get anywhere near Glenn Kamara in the second half, and it's no surprise that the more he was in the ball, you know, after the second half, up until the goal, that Rangers generally saw the game out because they just got the ball to him. And we couldn't get anywhere near him because all we were doing was chasing the game and he was getting so much more time and space. Whereas in the first half, I didn't really notice Glenn Kamara simply because we were actually pressing um, and carrying out our game plan well. But there's what happens if you don't change it up um, and you don't be proactive, John. That sort of thing comes back to bite you. Aye, I know. You're right. There's nothing more has to be said, really. Oh, no, hold on. Wait a minute. Do you know who Lee Scratch Perry is? Yes, I do. He's away. Oh, is he? Ah, uh, he just died. A famous uh, sort of reggae producer DJ guy, you know. Ah, he worked with, I think he done stuff with the Beastie Boys, didn't he? He did. Uh, Hello Nasty, that album. Dr. Lee PhD, just remember that. So, burn one for Lee. For Lee. That's, what he, that's what he'd love. He, that, he'd appreciate that. But uh, no, burn one for Lee Perry. He was a legend. But no, let's talk about uh, the chances we did create. So, I mean, as soon as we brought the subs on, the ball got put through for Kyogo. Literally right at, right for kickoff when Rangers scored. Great ball by Tony Ralston, it has to Great be. Great ball by Ralston and the goalie, McCrory, he went and blocked it. But then Kyogo had another two chances, which he really should have done much better with. So for the first one, he was played through and it sort of on the wing. He had the chance to put in uh, Christie, who was left with a tap in. But as a guy in form, he went for a shot. And it was a decent save by McCrory. Actually, a really good good save. I agree with you. He should have squared it, but it was a great, great save too. I don't blame him for taking the chance with the form he's been in. But then, about two minutes later, he got played in again. And his first touch wasn't brilliant, but he still could have shot. But this time he tried to pass, and Rangers scrambled it away. They were good chances. And if we'd been smart and sensible, we could have got a draw today. Would we have deserved it? Maybe no, because we didn't play great. But, I don't know, I'm not going to really criticise Kyogo because he's done much, much better than I think MD thought he would. Like, scored seven goals, he'll definitely end up with 20-plus goals a season for us if he stays fit, maybe even 30. But, I hope, like, when we play him again, like, he remembers that and he just, like, gets tore into them. Because I hope he doesn't become one of their players that's brilliant against everybody else but doesn't turn up against Rangers. 
Who is like the definitive example of a player who is brilliant against every other team, but never against Rangers for you? James Forrest. That may be a bit harsh because he scored a winner against him. But... Still a club icon though, John. I oh, know, James Forrest is going to go down as one of Celtic's best ever players, I think. Well, maybe that's a bit far. Maybe one of Celtic's best ever players in the last 25, 30 years. And... Well, George Cadet for me, is it? Oh, oh, I suppose George Cadet, aye. Paolo De Canio, maybe? Mm, no, I thought De Canio. De Canio only scored against Rangers as well. More than once, it has to be said. Whereas Cadet had games against them, never scored. Okay, yes, the offside goal. We all know about What about that, Ryan Christie? That's a shout as well, Ryan Christie, yet again today. This may be an example of something to talk about and get people's opinions on. In fact, there's one for the gig pod listeners who are tuning into this. Who is a player in your lifetime that you've been watching for Celtic who has been brilliant against every other team, but when it comes to games against Rangers, never seem to do it. So get your opinions into myself and Rizzo or Spunkphone as well if you really feel like it. Regarding the manager, I think it's fair to say that Ange will learn for this. Well, I hope he does, eh? And he does seem like the type of manager who, I mean, right after the game as well, it's okay saying he comes out taking responsibility. Don't want to also then tag Ange with this, uh, you know, loser mentality. He's a guy who takes responsibility, but he only does that when we get beat and, you know, you'd rather a manager that wasn't having to do that in the first place. You'd rather have a winning manager. And I'm hoping that obviously that is going to be Ange for us, but we'll, it's a hard game to be thrust into in the position that he was in. And again, he did come out today saying that he shouldn't have started Edward. John, you had a, that was like a real red flag for you. You were annoyed at that one, weren't you? I was because, I mean, I'm not really being that critical of Ange because he's been put in a difficult position due to Celtic's ridiculousness and during the summer. He's still, I think, trying to get players in. It's still the start of the rebuild. I think whatever happens this year, I'd imagine that Ange will still be the manager next season, I would hope, with something to build on even if we don't win the league, which, I mean, we still could. But, no, I mean, that is... Well, I was going to say it's Neil Lennon-esque, but Lennon probably wouldn't admit that he even made a mistake in the first place. He'd just, I don't know, complain about players or something, throw them under the bus. But, no, I mean, that is a concern, coming out with a, with a statement like that, I mean, after a game. I mean, are you just I don't think you really can do that when you're a Celtic manager, or probably even a Rangers manager. I mean... You can't really come and say, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, because when you're at Celtic, there's really no room for excuses. Same with Rangers, I suppose. Like, you're meant to win all the games, and I really don't know what to make of how we've started this season. We've played some good football, but as you said, off-pod, it was against like teams like Dundee and St Mirren. I mean, it was good performances. I was at uh, the St Mirren game, and we did play well, but, I mean, St Mirren in the great shakes. We have done well in Europe overall. It can't be denied. I mean, I thought EZ were very good, and that I think that was a good achievement to get at the group stages. But I don't know. I've no, I know it's very, very, very early days, but we've really not started that well in the league. I mean, we shouldn't be losing two in our first four games. Okay, losing at Ibrox can happen, as I said, but and we were unlucky at Tynecastle, but we should have won that game. I mean, that's that's a bit of a warning sign that we're we're still not playing well if we're away from home. It's i seen earlier, we've won one game away from home since February, and that was against uh, Jablonic. We didn't, we didn't win in the last few last season when uh, John Keddy was the manager, and we've not won any in the league yet. And, I mean, we've got Livingston away next month. I know that Livingston have been crap this season, but that's a place where we struggle all the time. I don't really want to be too critical, Ange, and I know why everybody likes him, and I like him, and that interview he'd done before the game was great. And, in a way, he's done better than expected, but... I don't know, that was just that stuff about I should have picked that guy. I mean, you don't get away with it at Celtic. And I just wish he'd stuck to his guns and picked Hugo through the middle. 
I mean, as long as he learns the lesson and we don't make any other mistakes, it's a mixed bag, really. You can't be that critical of him because he's in a bad situation with the way Celtic will run. But you can't get away with losing teams like, losing games against Rangers and Hearts that often, anywhere before. People will start to become critical. It's too early yet. It's early days, but he has to start winning uh, mere games. I think you'd agree with that. I do, John. Yeah, I do. And I think the big thing for me is, if I was in Andrew's position, right, and I thought the change he made during the week against AZ, bringing Edward on was outstanding. And I thought he would have done the same, because this is another big game. Have Edward on the bench, look to change it up by bringing him on, maybe, you know, 60, 65 minutes. I thought that would have been the, the key thing to do in a game like this today, but no. I mean, I'm stunned that he chose Edward, I really am. And I know that he says he was a bit stuck for options up front and out wide, right? I get it. And that's maybe down to the fact that, again, the transfer market, we are more reactive than proactive and look what happened as a result. We're in a big game like today where the manager of the club is second-guessing who he's putting up front because of the situation we're in. At least, the good thing is, John, at least for the next time we play Rangers, we won't be in that position because you'd like to think one way or another, Edward will have either left or will have brought in reinforcements to actually play out wide so we can alternate between if Edward stays or he'll go through in the middle next, next time. Yes, I think I'll be more likely Edward will have left by then, to tell you the truth. I want to talk about another player, John, who seems to be dividing opinion online today. And <laughs> amazingly enough, I tried to find tweets where I saw he was being touted as a colossus today. Amazingly enough, they're deleted. But <laughs> Carol Starfelt, people were saying he was brilliant today. Now look, I'm not here to have a go at Starfelt and I'm not dying to see him to be a failure because that would be just fucking very weird and I don't think any of us are feeling that way, John. We want to see the guy succeed and you want to see him be genuinely being a colossus, but I didn't see that today. Now, I think with Starfelt, what I'm seeing is a lot of people are the bar must be low in order to praise the guy because is that a case of like just be less shite than what you were the last <laughs> few games? That that's what it seems to be like because there was still, I mean, there was plenty of good things that he did, but he gave the ball away tons. He wasn't great at the goal, and in general, you just felt Rangers always felt they had a chance by getting it. Guys, let's start felt, and once more, that is, I have to say, he wasn't terrible again today, um, and he is improving, but he was still had a mistake or two in him and that's what I'm saying when people are saying this guy was brilliant and he was one of our better players is the bar is that low is it a case of just be less shite than what you are and you'll get away with it because it doesn't really seem right to me maybe I'm being harsh maybe the audience will give me pelters here I don't know but what's your take on it am I being over the top with this one maybe slightly but as you see it hasn't been great I mean he has made mistakes in quite a lot of games and we did spend a lot of money on him let's not forget that we spent over four million pound on him so I think it's desperate for him to be a success because, I mean, if when you look at the mistakes he's made, if he was going to get dropped, it would have been dropped by now. And he's no. He's played every game since he arrived. Uh, I mean, he played against Hearts, I think, like the night after. He, like, he got the clearance to play. So I'm not sure who bought him, if it was Ange or one of the the other guys at Celtic. Like, I mean, I'm not sure how that works. I mean, we know, we know it's like Kyogo would have been an Ange signing because he knows him for the J League. I mean, not sure who would have scouted and brought in Starfield, but he's obviously going to be, unless he has an injury, I think he'll be one of the first choice picks this season. I don't know if I agree with that because he has made some mistakes. I mean, that on goal the other night, the way of picking him really was bad. And 
he played well in the second half in that game, and I thought he did play reasonably well today. But no, I mean, I don't want to compare him to other teams, but I mean, if you look at Rangers defenders, for the most part, they don't make the kind of mistakes that he has. And well, remember what he did against Malmo. No, but also, John, they're, aye, but their ball retention is but they don't give the ball away stupidly. This is what I'm saying with people with Starfelt. I think what they're seeing, and please, I'm not being patronising anyone when I say this. I know we all watch the same game. We might pick up on wee things differently. But when I watch Starfelt, I look at I look at his interceptions, right, and I look at his tackling. And again, I thought that was good today. But it's what he does right after it with the ball. Um, he gives the ball away a lot today and he did in that second half John you picked up on it as well and we were both agreeing on it and yet at the same time I'm looking online and I'm seeing people saying Starfelt what a guy he is just exceptional and I'm like he's just literally gave the ball away to Glenn Kamara 25 yards out what game are you fucking watching? He gives the ball away far too often Welsh was guilty of that to an extent as well but not as much as Starfield and I feel a bit sorry for him because like everybody he's been thrown into this chaotic Celtic season where I know we're talking about the rebuild and that, but everybody's really annoyed about the defeat today, and that's where it always should be, because we, even though it's a rebuild, we want Celtic to win the league back. And we did spend a lot of money, money on them, that's the thing. I mean, it's always a bit of a concern when you spend a, when, like you spend a lot of money if you're Celtic, because we don't really do that that often. We don't go and spend like £4 million on a centre-back. I mean, we spent more on Julian, but he's, for the most part, done well for us. I think he's a better player than Starfield. Remember, they all work well together, they'll compliment each other. But no, he certainly wasn't brilliant today. It was decent. To me, the only Celtic player that was brilliant was Anthony Ralston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again. Yeah, again. He, I know he didn't get in the Scotland squad. He should be. He's the best He's the best right back in Scotland. Better than Tavarnier. Better than Parson. Did you just call Tavernier Tavarnier? Yes, that's what I call him. Better than the guy that, better than the guy that hates the crowds. Have better than uh, better than Parson. I, I think Ralston's absolutely brilliant. And again, it, he's added to the offensive side of his game. I mean, he done that pass for the other night. He done uh, for the goal we scored against his head. He done that pass to set up uh, Kyogo with that chance right after Rangers scored. It was solid. Like he didn't give Kent a sniff. I didn't think Kent was good at all. He that shot off the post, and that's it. But. He handled him well. I thought Ralston was absolutely brilliant. And as I said before, I think I'd give him a new long-term contract. He's definitely earned it. And People might have been worried about him this season, but he's not let the side down once. Maybe he's not been absolutely great every game, but when you look at how he's played compared to the rest of the defence, especially, I think Ralston's been great. Yeah, I thought he did handle Kent well today. I know that Kent's form's been up and down for them this season. Sorry, I know that he was world-class, apparently, in a friendly against Real Madrid, but... Other than that, uh, Kent's not really turned up for them. But what I think Rangers do get boosted the way Ryan Kent is, and it's maybe a lot, to a similar extent, maybe the way that James Forrest is when he's on our team, that you know that one way or another, when he's on the ball, he does bring a lot of energy. I mean, there's some end product missing, like James Forrest gets accused of, but there's always an energy and there's always a, a, like a genuine pace there, isn't there? And I thought that Tony Ralston done very well. It was a bit in the first half when Kent was... I think you'll remember, John, when he was up against Ralston and he could have got a ball in. And if that was last season up against John Joe Kenny or something, you know, that's Kent's taking it past him, probably scoring or putting on a plate for Morelos. But um, Ralston really stood them up well. And I felt Ralston, as you're saying, John, was absolutely excellent today. 
when we talk about Joseph Juranovic, um, how did you feel he did on his debut today, putting in the left back? I thought he did uh, reasonably well. I mean, wasn't an easy situation for him. He's not his natural position, but he coped with the challenge fairly well. I only really remember him making, I think, one mistake when he miscontrolled the ball towards the end of the game. But no, he was solid enough. I think he'll be a good player for us. I'm not sure if while Taylor's out injured, we'll play him at left back because Ralston kind of get dropped. He's probably the best player on the team now. But no, I thought he did fair enough. I mean, I'm not going to be too critical of him. I mean, it's a difficult situation getting you just signed for the club this week and then you're thrown into the toughest away game in the, that you're going to play for Celtic in the league. So no, I was reasonably impressed. Still early days for him, but no, he looks solid enough. But I think we'll probably not know how good he is until he plays at right back, because that's what he is. Yeah, and it's very hard to judge. Played out of position in his first game as a weighty Rangers, as you say. But it was a point in the start of the second half. Did you see the bit where he controlled the ball after it was like... Yes, that was brilliant. Outstanding, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Although he did have a ridiculous shot like, with 10 minutes to go. Uh, that was annoying. But I mean, I was, okay, that was annoying. Even the better Ali McCoy was impressed with that, eh? that touch by... Juranovic, there you go. Well, before we talk about the transfer window, John, just closing up in this game, um, I saw a lot of fans online maybe dismissing Rangers after today's 1-0 defeat. I saw people say that they think we're the better team, just trust the process and it's going to all work out. I think that's a wee bit arrogant and I don't think, John, we've always said Celtic are a work in progress and we can only go on a game-by-game basis and that's what we do. I mean, we're saying that and I was predicting a 3-1-1, so was Spunk phone, but that's, again, going on a game-by-game basis because of how Rangers were playing and how we've been playing. So we were just going with the form in that respect. But I think to just dismiss Rangers after that, after they've won, I probably we've lost and say that we're still the better team. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think some fans maybe have to take a step back and go, no, let's just focus on it on a week-by-week basis with us instead of just assuming we're still going to run away with it. No, I think they're the better team now, unfortunately. I think we probably played a better football, but I'd say... If- they are the better team. I mean, they're ahead of us by three points. They had some of the bigger players out of the Okay, they weren't really ravaged by COVID like they say they were. They had like two or three of the big players out and they still won. Hold on a minute, Rangers exaggerating something, John? Surely not. I know, I can't believe it myself, but yes, they did. <laughs> and, uh, no, but they are not. unfortunately they are still the better team. And we do really need to try and beat them soon because we've not beat them since that League Cup final, which we actually should have lost. Uh, what was that, 2019? Yep, eighth of December twenty nineteen. Yep, so that's nearly two years. It'll be over two. It'll be over two years when uh, when we meet them because I think we played them at the end of December, don't we? Unless we play them in the league cup this season, when we could. Ah, true. No, unfortunately for the now and the Rangers fans don't listen to this. Listen to this, I love this. They are the better team. I mean, we've we've made progress as I've said already this season, especially in Europe. And I think being honest, a lot is weren't expecting Celtic to make a huge challenge for the league when you see how much chaos that happened in the summer with the months and months of pursuing Eddie Howe for no reason and not making any signings really. Like I mean it's it was always going to be hard but we're all still annoyed that we had a chance to win the day and if we'd been smarter we could have won, could have got a draw but we made the wrong decisions including the manager and the players. But no I mean we're getting there but it would be handy if we beat Rangers soon because you don't want to go two years without beating your biggest rivals. I mean, I'm tempted to sort of no count in the games of your last season because there's no fans, but you can't really do that. That's a sort of Rangers type of thing. Like, we don't count that. 
like, would any die with the same club and that sort of thing? Would any beat them soon? That would be a uh, that'd be handy. And if it was in the cup, that'd be good as well because I would you think would be well on the way to win an Andrew's first trophy. But we'll talk about that when the cup comes back. But no, it's a bit weird to be dismissive of them when they are the champions, unfortunately. And we've not beaten them for two seasons. And a lot of people who are looking for some positivity here, here's one for you. I do remember a couple of times against Rangers when we've lost at Ibrox that we ended up having a very happy ending. Notable ones would have been 1997, John, when Richard Goff scored in the 10 in a row season. We know how that ended up. But the more recent one, I always remember that Gordon Stratton season um, when Rangers won 3 1. I think we pulled it back to 2 1, then they get a penalty shocker. Nacho Novo scored. And I remember always coming away for that, not arrogantly, because I knew that Celtic were still a work in progress like we are now, and we were in transition after the Martin O'Neill era. But I remember thinking Rangers aren't as brilliant um, as what they were a better team the season before when they stopped that Martin O'Neill team winning the league at Fur Park. And I always felt the Rangers team after that were nowhere near as uh, coherent as the previous team. So. I mean, I'm just—I'm not trying to fall into the trap of what I did back then because I turned out to be right then. But I think as long as we just focus on ourselves and not what Rangers are doing, um, and we heed the warnings and we don't just, you know, arrogantly dismiss it and go, "Ah, no, we'll be fine." We have to learn from it. That's the main thing, isn't it? And as long as we do, I think we will be fine. But next time, we just have to be far more clinical and take the chances we had, man. Aye, I mean that's a real thing. But Kyogo, I'm just thinking—he's been fantastic, but. You could be you could be in double figures already when you look at the chances he's had for us. You could probably have like fourteen goals in there, never mind seven. But no, I mean as long as we learn the lessons and Angel learns the lessons and I mean people might not like to hear this, but if we're in touch with Angels like by the time we play, then again at Parkhead, when we'll be off all as Celtic fans. 60,000 Celtic fans. Oh wait, 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 wait a minute though, COVID cases might go up and our wonderful Scottish government may do something about that. Oh that's true, yes. Well we can great, great guys. We'll never criticize. But uh no, I mean, if we're living in a sensible country, which hopefully we are, I'll be 60,000 Celtic fans. I'm, I don't want to like, see the crowd. Like, it'll be a big factor, but it will make a difference. And if we're like... Bearing in mind this is a rebuild season, if we're like... In this sort of situation now, well, it's a similar points gap, and if we can defeat Rangers in January to go maybe levelling points for them, then I think that'd be a sign that things are going well in Durange. But we'll just need to wait and see and make sure that as you say, we learn the lessons for the games ahead, not just against Rangers, but all the other games in the league against, like, whoever we've got next one for us, County, Livingston away. They'll not, Livingston away, don't be easy. I mean, we just need to make sure that we don't make the same mistakes we did today. And if we do, then I think we'll get there in the end. We might not win the league this season, but we are making progress. Yeah, and also as well, John, we do have two European games in amongst the Ross County and Livingston ones. We've got Real Betis away on the 16th of September, and then at the end of September, we play Leverkusen at home. They're going to be real toughies as well for that team. They are. I'd be happy with a third place third place finish in that group that would get us in the, the conference. I mean, I think we're good enough to beat French Varos. We should have beat them last season, but was self-destructed on and off the pitch that night. No, I think Betis and Leverkusen might be a bridge too far. I'm fairly confident we can maybe get uh, maybe a point or two of them at home if we play to our best. I mean, they're probably better teams than Altmar, but we did beat them, don't forget, at home. Europe is important this season, but I think it's maybe a bit less important than getting back to 
uh, the top in the Premier League. So we'll just need to wait and see how Celtic approach it. But I mean, there'll be big games. I would hope that they're sellouts if, of course, fans are allowed in at that time. And uh, aye, it'll be another big test to see how the team are progressing. I mean, I'm probably no holding out much hope we'll beat Betis away, but you never know, we could do well against uh, Leverkusen at home. So does that mean that we're playing French Varos twice, one after the other? Is that how it works? That's indeed how it works, John. It's back to the old UEFA mirror image. So we start off away to Betis, then home to Leverkusen, then we've got a double header against Fred and Varos, away to Leverkusen again, and then our last game is at home to Betis on the 9th of December. Answered your question there efficiently and thoroughly in the space of 10 seconds, John. You did. But I think the two games against Ferenc Varos will maybe decide a lot. If we can get six points for them, I'd be confident we'd have uh, European football after Christmas again, which would be a progression for this team. Before we go, you did want a wee tirade on the transfer market, John. Is that right? Well, not a tirade. I just uh, make a prediction for what I think is going to happen. Go for it then. I think Edward and Christie will both leave. You think Christie will, yeah? Yep. I mean, now a minute to get this right. His contract runs out in January, right? Mm-hmm. We have to sell him. If he's no intention of signing a new one, and I think if he had, he would have been out. We have to sell him. We can't let him leave for nothing. Even if we, even if we only get a few million, we need to sell him. And it will be a mess. Because on his day, he's very good. But when he's known on his day, like today, he's anonymous. But it would be a big, it would still be a mess. I mean, we need to sign somebody to replace him, but We've been burned before when we let Boyata run out his contract, which made Brendan Rogers very angry. I don't think Andrew's that type of guy. He'd be similarly angry. Well, maybe we'll be behind the scenes, but no, I think Christy, if he has no intention of signing this contract, he has to leave, he has to be sold. And I think Eddie will get sold as well. I think there's too many clubs interested that I think is inevitable that's one of them will pay what we're looking for. I just love how you turned into Thanos there. Listen, I've got a cool wee uh, segment for you here that I've just made up in my head and I think you're going to like it and the audience as well will be a fan of this because this is just very spontaneous but now you're talking about our squad and who you think is going to go in that right? So I'm looking at our squad now and if I read out every section from like the goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders or the strikers, you can tell me what ones you think are going to leave out of them, okay? Okay. Right, so we've got four goalkeepers who are Barkas, Hart, Bain and Hazard. Do you think any of them will leave? Possibly Hazard. I doubt we'd be able to get him to take uh, Barkas off our hands, but I think Hazard could go on loan. Now I'm going to read out the defenders we've got. We've got Chris Julian, Greg Taylor, Starfelt, Bolingoli. We've got Lee O'Connor, Dane Murray, Adam Montgomery, Tony Ralston, Stephen Welsh and Joseph Juranovic. Now, again, I think out of all the players that I've just named there, Realistically, it's only probably going to be Bowley that we're looking to offload, isn't it? Maybe Leo Connor will be in on English team and loan, but then he doesn't even like get a chance for us. So I think Bowling goalie as well. I just can't see him playing for Celtic again. Right, midfielders now. We've got Sorrow, Turnbull, Beaton, McCarthy, Christie, Rogic, Mikey Johnson, Luke O'Connell, Liam Shaw, Christ, we've got James Forrest, Callum McGregor, Scott Robertson, Ewan Henderson, Kerr McEnroy and Karamoko Dembele. Bloody hell. So, any range you think will be away? I think maybe someone might leave alone, like Henderson and Robertson, for some game time. And I think that might be a good move for them. As I said already, I think Christie will be the main one that goes. But I think he'll be like the only big name player. Maybe some French players will go on loan. Do you think Beaton will still stay? Aye. 
because we'll need them. Inevitably, when we're having another defensive crisis. <laughs> Next year's Champions League qualifier again. Then aye. Right. Okay. And we've got five strikers now. Um, two of them probably their futures hanging the balance, but there's actually three of them, including Edward. So Furuhashi, Abada, Griffiths, Ayeti, and Eddie himself. So you reckon at least two of them will be away? I think Eddie and I think Griffiths. I think they'll maybe keep a jetty because I'm not really sure who'd want to sign them at this moment in time. Unless we're signing two, unless we sign three strikers. I really think we need to sign, I know we're talking about who's leaving, but I really think we need to sign two strikers because I think Griffiths will go to Dundee. Well, we're getting the Greek guy, of course. We're getting the Greek guy. We're thinking we'll Eddie leave. I don't know, I wonder if they'll try a sort of Nisbet Griffiths swap. Somebody said that to me today. Apparently Jack shit Ross doesn't want Nisbet to go whatsoever though. But then managers don't usually get their own way, do they? No, and when Jack shit Ross was asked about it, he was a bit sort of weird about it, like he said. He sort of still gave an in for it, it could happen, because he said it hadn't happened yet, that we were going to try and sign Nisbet. But I don't know if like Hibs will want Griffiths, to tell you the truth. I know he's a big Hibs fan and all that, but... Hibs are going well this season, I think they're top of the league. So I don't know if like they'll want like Griffith's baggage, maybe they'll forego it because he's a Hibs fan and he's like returning to Hibs. I don't know. I think I think though that Hibs would want big money for uh, for this bit, like three or four million, and I'd rather we didn't spend that on a guy who when everybody's fit, I don't would get into the Celtic team. What are your predictions? Who do you think is going to leave? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, by the hell. <laughs> Out of, the, out of the big name guys, do you think are going to leave? I think I think Christie will end up staying and he'll end up going on a free. But I do think Edward's going to be away. Griffiths as well? Hopefully, hopefully. But I've just got this feeling that Christie is just going to run out his contract and we're not going to get any money for him. I don't think. But you think that out of the two situations, that the fact that a team would only really need to give a few million for Christie for us to go high fine rather than losing them for nothing. I still feel that we'll try and hold out for bigger money for like Edward and just hold on to Christie. Just honestly, just for like contingency options in midfield and out wide. If the reason I say that is because Christie can, as you know, John can play in midfield and out wide. And if we don't get players in that we're looking to get in before the transfer window shuts, that's what I think we'll want to hold on to Christie because he can play in both of these positions and it's a contingency option. So that's just my rationale behind it. I would hope that doesn't happen because that would be so, so daft if he's got a chance to leave. From, but it's Celtic. I know it's Celtic. But, I mean, surely we'll learn the lessons. We can't let another boy out of situation how we'll lose millions of pounds. Sorry, 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 hold on. Did you say Celtic learning lessons? I mean, <laughs> conceding a set-piece goal today that was very avoidable. Surely I know, I know, I know, I know. No chance of happening. But no, but I mean... I think we're going to do a, a transfer one day special, is that correct, on Wednesday? Oh, I so we are. That's right. Yes, we can do that. Yes, so we'll talk more about it then. But if Eddie leaves, I'd just like to say he was a brilliant player for us. It's just a pity, like, the last 12 months has not went as well as we all hoped. But he'll go with our best wishes. He was a great player. Christie as well, at times, a very frustrating player. But that season he had where he scored, I think, nearly 20 goals. He was a big part as well in the, the treble that season. And... I think they'll go both go down like fondly remembered. I don't know if Griffiths will. Should he leave? Probably not. But uh, no, I mean, I think this is going to be one of Celtic's most interesting, like end a transfer window type things for a long time because we do need players in lots of positions. I think so. I wouldn't be surprised to see he's making quite a lot of moves. So 
could be an exciting last day of the transfer window. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And we'll be covering it on here on the Wednesday. So tune in for that one, GigPod fans. See, before I go, here's one for you, John. I'm, do you know how I was looking at the first team like squad on the Celtic website? Aye. Do you know there's a section that says Legends? Is there? Aye. It's got like, so, right, don't look on the website, right? Okay, I'll there's, try and guess them if you give me a clue. Aye. There's three goalkeepers in there that are down as club legends. Who do you think they are? Like, you obviously, ones, two are very obvious. The Rod- third's a shocker. Okay, Ronnie Simpson. Yes. Pat Bonner? Actually, that's the one I didn't think would be obvious. I Him and John Thompson as well. Oh, John Thompson, yeah. yeah. I, but I thought, I mean, surely, like, guys like Boric is more yeah, a legend to me than Bonner. Well, so for his foster, I think, but I suppose his Bonner was there for so long. How many, like, what are the other ones? How many is on each choice? Well, there's only three in the goalkeeper section. Um, for the defenders, right? I might as well read them out. I think this is quite interesting. So you've got Danny McGrain, and he's known his ordinary clothes. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got Jim Craig, Tommy Gemmo, Roy Aiken, Billy McNeil, of course, John Clark, Bobby Evans, Alec McNair, and Doc Steen. Now, you can't really argue with them, but in terms of modern-day defenders, would you have had anybody in there in that part? Don't say Stephen McManus. <laughs> I forgot about Mick. Uh, Title-winning captain? Uh, no. I'd have to say no. Midfielders. You know, there's already defenders, right? There's only four midfielders. Okay, so, so let me guess them. Yeah, I'll let you guess them. I think you'll get them all. Right. Paul McStay. Yes. Tommy Burns. Yes. He's a clue. Went up with time frame and the other ones. Two of them won the European Cup. Oh, uh, One of them stays in your bit. What was my bit? A Mary Hall legend. Oh, Bertie. Uh-huh. Bertie Old. And the last one is a Rutherglen legend. Love Bertie Old. Uh, Bobby Lennox. No, nearly. Eh? Bobby Sunday. Oh, Bobby Murdoch. Of course. Right. Okay. The forwards is interesting, though. There's a lot. There's an abundance. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to read out all of them, I don't think, as well. How many, who's there Who's there for modern day, Stelz? Right, there's one for modern day. Henrik. Right, okay. So if you can get two more, then we'll round off the podcast. Bobby Lennox. Aye. And J- Jinky. There you go. That's weird that uh, Henry Larson's the only guy for modern day. I know, for modern day. I'd, I'd expected Boric as a legend, but... Oh, well, there we go. He's more a, a cult hero than a legend. Well... Speaking of cult heroes, John, that's me and you. <laughs> exactly. And we should we should be on that. We should be on. I'm going to write to Celtic and say they should do a bit for legends under the podcaster bit and get uh, me and you in there. I'm going to have a look at that later. I didn't even know Celtic did that. So and neither did I. But uh, there you go. So anybody who is interested to know who is in the legends part of the Celtic website, there you are, Gigpod fans. Go and amuse yourself like me and John did. Thankfully, well, we've taken up nearly an hour of your time, so we better go. But yes, once more, thanks a lot for tuning in. Um, I'm Stevie. It's been nearly an hour. This is a novelty for us, but it was a review against Rangers and it's, we tend to stretch over half an hour, don't we, John? So I'll let you lead the audience out for this one, brother. I know, it's what they are, these reviews against Rangers, and I don't think we've beat Rangers. We've not beat Rangers since Gigpod done its sensational return, so... Not our fault. Not our fault, no. It's not our fault that we make their own decisions. Well, more we did bring Gigpod back. Only kidding, only kidding. We love Gigpod, it's fantastic. But no, thanks to Stevie, of course. Uh, that sounded uh, natural. Thanks to uh, <coughs> Stevie, of course, for braving sickness to uh, join this podcast today. In fact, braving sickness twice to make two pod- podcasts in the last couple of days. What a hero. What an effort. Putting in more effort than Ryan Christ today, John, but you're welcome. <laughs> that wasn't planned. <laughs> that joke wasn't planned. But no, thanks to Stevie. 
you know what you get has been out on all the usual platforms leave us the usual five stars and the great reviews have been given us so we'll be back on wednesday we are post transfer window roundup and that could be another quite long episode because i think there'll be a lot of stuff happening maybe not an hour but certainly been an interesting day and i'm sure like on twitter we'll be looking to see what's happening and all that but thanks to stevie thanks everybody for listening see it wasn't that miserable celtic will be back and surely soon we'll beat rangers get back top and hail hail Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.